Greetings and welcome to Broken Boxes Podcast. In this episode, I met up with musician and composer Laura Ortman at her temporary studio as artist in residence at the Institute of American Indian Arts. We chatted about her long love affair with the violin, how music has supported her in navigating the ups and downs in life, and the value of the violin in contributing to collaboration and transcending art mediums. Laura reflected on how she stays centered while constantly traveling as a practicing artist, and she spoke about being DIY to a fault, how she is learning to accept support from community, grants, and residencies along the way. She shares about her upcoming album and the components she put forward in creating the record, including songwriting and archival field recordings. We hear a bit about a recent performance at Site Santa Fe, which was days away when we recorded this broadcast, and where she performed a site-specific performance on artist Pedro Reyes's disarmed violin, an instrument made from decommissioned gun parts. She spoke to the importance of long-term collaborative relationships as a way to sustain community connections and combat isolation, and offered some sound advice to not throw away ideas that don't resonate in the moment, to be patient with the process and to come back to a work that isn't quite fitting in the now. As we spoke, the artist's effect pedals and violin were set up around us and we ended the broadcast with Laura sharing a powerful live mini performance session. Laura Ortman is a member of the White Mountain Apache tribe, a musician and composer who creates across multiple platforms, including albums, live performance, field recordings, and video works. As a soloist, Ortman has performed on amplified and Apache violin, vocals, piano, electric guitar, and keyboard. She has performed and presented work nationally and internationally, including the Museum of Modern Art in New York, the Whitney Museum of American Art, and the Imaginative Film and Media Arts Festival in Canada. Ooh, Laura Ortman! <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, hello, Laura Ortman. Hello. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to say thank you for being um, interviewed on Broken Boxes. And if you want to introduce yourself and any affiliations or ways you like to describe your work, and we can just kind of go from there into a conversation. Cool. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, uh, I'm Laura Ordman. I'm a White Mountain Apache. Um, born in White River, Arizona. Um, I'm a musician and composer and artist and hairstylist. <laughs> uh, I live in Brooklyn, New York since 1997 and I'm here in Santa Fe, New Mexico at the Institute of American Indian Arts doing an artist in residence um, for music, um, and performance, archiving, relaxing, <laughs> visiting, enjoying um, a lot of friends that I have out here. And um, I have a really nice studio, which is where we are right now. It's um, two big rooms with skylight in it, and a big little sofa bed, comfy for naps. And then I have all my music equipment set up. Um, 
I have various notes, notebooks I brought with me to kind of keep things organized while I'm here for a month. A little over a month I'll be here. I'm, I have to go back to New York in time for Valentine's Day. And yeah, yeah, I'm just kind of um, work, work, wood shedding and workshopping mm. the whole time. So uh, tell me about your relationship to the violin. Me and the violin have a very serious relationship. Um, we've, been, <laughs> we've been going out since I was seven years old. Oh, no way. <laughs> and I'm 49 now, so it's a, it's a big year. Um, I'm going to be celebrating 50 years this summer. So I don't know. The, the violin and I um, are, are really connected. It's, it's an extension of who I am as a, as a musician and artist and communicator. And, um, um, it just helps. It just helps me to relate to how I am enjoying the world or questioning the world, um, and I love to play it because it, you hold it right over your heart, mm. and that's just that's about as close as I can get in a relationship as anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Who showed you the violin first? Like, where did it come into being in that heart space with you? Uh, my grandma was a violinist. My grandma, Virginia Hummer, she um, was a professional violinist. So then growing up, it'd be like she'd come visit us, um, give us books and stuff. And then she, she, I don't know, she always... She always had a big smile on her face, and I would always want to be like that. So mm. I know everybody gets the option to play violin when you're very young. I, th I think a lot of people do, a lot, lot, lot of um, in schools and stuff. But I started before that, just a little bit before that, and then I just fell in love with it. I had really good teachers, and um, I don't know. It, it kind of kind of allowed me privacy too because I was pretty shy as a kid mm -hmm. and I got to use the violin as like my own voice and then when I didn't know what to say I acted like I didn't know how to play it <laughs> <laughs> I acted <laughs> oh you're also an actor yeah. <laughs> that's wild I, I feel like people who find their instrument young like kind of do have like a friend or a companion that they get to be with through their whole life, and um, they're never alone. In a way, do you feel like that is kind of what your relationship to the violin has been? Like, you say you're, you've been in a relationship with it since you were seven, so has it carried you through, like, the dark and the light times? Absolutely. Like, um, you know, I, um, it helped. Like, I, I, I wasn't that good at school. I didn't, I didn't really enjoy school that much. So like on the weekends, you know, or whenever I got away to take violin lessons was a true treat. Um, when I got to play with, in the orchestra, um, when I was little, meant a lot to me. Um, and then like in through high school, um, I got to play in the St. Louis Youth Symphony. Um, and that was, when I got to start driving too, so I was driving to the city <laughs> and playing with all these urban 
music, you know, orchestra, classical musicians from from all over the area, and it helped break out of where I was going to high school at, and I felt like I felt like an adult. I felt like. <laughs> I'm a professional, <laughs> even though I'm a total clown, ridiculous. But I, yeah, that was my first. That was my first um, feeling of feeling my own independence, because mm. um, I took the violin pretty seriously, even though I wasn't like the best. Right? I knew I was never going to be the best. But what does that even mean? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it means. Um, you know, in orchestra ways, you have to audition for what chair you sit in, who's, you know, who's going to be at the front, who's mm. going to be at the back. So I was somewhere in the lower second half. <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool because you're in the back of the orchestra and you get to see all these other young kids, too, working hard, and you're all doing it playing together. Like, I don't know how many were in an orchestra. I, I'm bad with numbers, but I remember just remembering, like, all these boys and girls, and a lot of us were brown, which was beautiful, um, playing all this music together in synchronization. Mm. Um, so I think, I think that really helped me understand my independence, but like kind of taking it seriously where I felt like I was in a field. Um, and then, of course, you go off to college mm. and you lose your mind. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so tell us about what that means for you. Like, what does losing your mind mean for Laura Orman in college days? <laughs> oh, the, boy. The censored version. <laughs> well, my, my first roommate moved out. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I studied art in college. Mm. Um, I was going to be a world-famous artist. Um, I... I tried everything, like, you know, sculpture, metal, painting, printmaking, drawing, sculpture, installation, performance art. And I, I loved all of it. I, I loved all of it. Um, I was pretty good at it. But I didn't, I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm. I didn't know why I was, like, I don't know just making sculptures on a wall that look like something that makes me feel away. They were cool, um, you know, making paintings about a woman in the basement with all these crazy windows and pipes everywhere looking out the window because the light from that dirty, dark basement window looks so pretty. Mm. Um, I don't know why I was doing that. You know, it's just... It started to drive me nuts. I started making performances and stuff where I was making, like, I don't know if it wasn't, was it costumes or tarps or tech, tech stuff? I don't know what I was doing. I was just making things to kind of move around with. Mm. And then after a while, I started making sounds for these things um, with my violin because I had always played it still, even though. I was going to be an artist. Um, so then I, I, um, I, loved, I loved playing around with sound. And then I moved to New York, and I kept on doing that. But the more I got more interested in recording my own sounds, 
the less I cared about being a performance artist or, mm. you know, a visual artist. Um, I didn't know I didn't know music could be art. Um, but when, I, when did you make that correlation? Uh, I just think I think the first recordings that I did, it was I, it just made sense. I had a four track cassette tape recorder, my Tascam, which I loved. I love tapes. Mm -hmm. um, I like doing all my own recordings and stuff. Um, I like being alone and and hearing new things that um, that actually make sense where everything else didn't. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, that that kind of that mess and wildness of college days started to um, dissolve, and I started finding my true artist voice with the violin. So I I lucked out. I lucked out that it had always been there for me through. Through, I almost gave up. I was just like, maybe I should just take some computer classes or something. <laughs> Thank goodness you did not give up. I know. <laughs> oh, it's funny because you were saying like I wanted to be like a world famous artist, and to me, I feel like you are. Like when I came to know you in the past like five or so years, I was like, oh. Laura Ortman is a world famous artist. Like that's how I was introduced to you. So, um, how did you find your way to start to kind of plug in music and sound into the larger art world? Well, I um, I have a lot of filmmaker friends, um, mostly indigenous filmmaker friends, um, but you know various types, um, and they. Um, were starting to ask me to use my music for their films, which would be in places like the Museum of the American Indian in New York, or it would be in the Museum of the Moving Image, or it would be in a short film festival at MoMA, or, you know, I started playing live film soundtracks to silent films that were in the Tribeca Film Festival. Uh, I've played live soundtracks at uh, SF MoMA in San Francisco, and then, then started playing out in the Southwest again. And like I played at Center for Contemporary Arts a couple times doing live soundtracks to films. And then films led to meeting other sound artists that work maybe with folly sounds or more improvisational artists that were already established in the art art parts, um, mm -hmm. the art parts. <laughs> and, and then, you know, like um, uh, artists like Tony Conrad, who was a big influence of mine, um, a violinist, artist, filmmaker. Um, uh, my friend Martha Colburn, she makes all these films and we, we've traveled everywhere um, doing our thing. Um, and then, you know, you start working with other installation artists, other sculptors, and collaborate with them and making soundtracks with them, and, and dancers, and choreography, and um, yeah, the violin's very malleable. It can cross all these different um, platforms for projects, mm -hmm. especially collaborations. So I, I've really enjoyed that part. Mm -hmm. um, it, it does allow me still to play a lot solo, 
which I, I really like to do that. I've been concentrating on playing extremely solo um, these past six or seven years. And it's, it's been working. I, I forgot to play a lot of places, so now I get to do everything. Mm. <laughs> so here's a big question around doing everything like how do you maintain center and like find your um keep yourself restored and like not kind of exhaust yourself because you are traveling so much more than almost anybody I know but you always seem to like be present and bring joy and like what are what are the ways in which you find to like keep yourself um, whole while you're out in the world. Well, there's a few other, there's a few, or there's a few ways, definitely like that I try and keep some balance. Um, like I'm single. I don't have a boyfriend or a husband. I don't have children. I don't have a cat or a dog or a horse. I. It's just me, so I, I, I'm, I guess in some ways that helps, <laughs> you know. Um, I think about that a lot, um, so that's it's good and bad, you know. Um, and then I, uh, when I travel, I, I have decided to tack on a day in front and a day after, at least when I travel, just so I'm not traveling with everybody on a Sunday night, trying to rush home and start all over again. I, I allow myself to breathe and actually get to see the places where I'm visiting. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I make long lists. You can see here in my studio, I have lots of lists of things that I can't, that I have to always keep on in my brain. But if I write it down and I see it, I can kind of let it rest there. So I don't go too crazy and feel overwhelmed. Um, and I think I, I, love, I love to just drop everything and enjoy aiming towards one performance mm. or one studio session. like. Nothing else matters. I can only see that one thing. And then when that's done, then I'm like, OK, cool. <laughs> but I mean, it doesn't always happen that way. I, I'm also, um, I, get, I, I get really, really busy. But the, it's like the busier I get, the more I um, have this cycle and um, pattern um, of things I have to do like I love to go swimming I go swimming so I can exert all this built up energy and then I sleep good at night mm-hmm. and then I um, I always go early in the morning just so I can kind of get it out of the way and swimming is really good because it, I feel like I'm flying um, and and it's just it's that kind of sensation I need when you're always pounding the pavement so hard so New York is crazy so I allow myself that. <laughs> yeah, how long have you lived in New York at this at this point? Oh, I've been in New York since April Fool's Day, 1997. Ooh, 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow, so your anniversary is coming up. <laughs> <laughs> I know. This is a big year. It's a big year. <laughs> wow. And so you also said that um, one of your art forms is you're a hairstylist, and you've cut my hair before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what what's fulfilling about that practice for you? Like, I know you love it, and I'm just wondering, like, what that brings to you. Yeah, um, I, um, I've been doing it for, like, 17 years. Um, I work, I've only worked at two salons. One was in Williamsburg in Brooklyn for five years when I was first starting out. And then I left there and started working in the Lower East Side in, um, in Manhattan, in, in New York. And uh, I've been there ever since. Um, it's really, really, really great work for me because you still get to sculpt. You still get to work with texture. You still get to work with weight and um, color, form. You get to predict how things are going to grow out. Um, and most of my clients are very, very cool and easy to get along with and very friendly. And um, um, and my, uh, my, my coworkers are all really enthusiastic about being hairstylists. So it, it's a really good, good uh, community to be in. I'm only there one day a week, though, so, <laughs> so that, that's pretty cool, too. <laughs> yeah. You, you get to, like, cut hair, work hard, make cash tips, and then you disappear into your music art world and, and friend world. So <laughs> I love that. And you get to be social and have, like, that community kind of... Yeah, because yeah. New York, I've I've heard, can be a, like a big lonely city sometimes. But it seems like you have a really nice core of artists, and then your clients too. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, uh, I uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to like enjoy the rest of this residency. Uh, I've been here like five weeks when I return. Um, and get back. It'll be so good to see everybody mm. and reconnect. Because I left right after the new year, basically, um, and just slipped out to the beautiful desert. <laughs> I don't want to leave yet, though. <laughs> I, I know. Nobody yet. wants you to leave. <laughs> 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 We're all conspiring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and speaking of... Um, Let's talk a little bit of what you're working on towards the performance at Site Santa Fe coming up um, oh, in a yeah. few days. Uh, what, it, what, what sparked that, and what are you excited about, and what, what's going on there? Well, um, this is a Mexican artist, uh, Pedro Reyes. Um, I haven't met him personally yet, but they contacted me because um, he's a sculptor and, um, I don't know, education educator. Um, but he made this violin um, made out of gun, gun, guns. <laughs> it's really, it's really strange. I, um, I went to go try it out. It's, it's at Site Santa Fe. I went to go try it out last week. And it's, it's, it's about the same size as a regular violin. Um, it has... Um, the body made of guns, and the, the neck of the violin is made of a long barrel of a gun. And um, you'll have to look up all, all his, all his, all of his um, concerns and ideas about using, using these guns. Um, 
I, I can't explain it for him, but um, of course, he's, yeah. he's, he's incredible. Um, and so he made this violin, and they asked me if I'd be interested in performing it um, after his artist talk on Saturday. And I, the first time I played it, it was so heavy. I mean, it's still so heavy. <laughs> it's very, very heavy. Um, it hurt my arm, hurt my wrists. There's some wires sticking out. I almost stabbed my neck. Um, there was no bow, so I had to bring my own bow. So there's all these things behind playing a gun which were problematic, which kind of goes along with um, the emotive quality um, of, of how sensitive, um, you know, playing, playing guns is, is, you know. It's, I, I felt very emotional um, playing it for the first time uh, I went again today and, and played some more, and I'm trying to bring my piece, my my musical piece um, that I do when I play my music. Um, so kind of meeting it together in collaboration with the instrument and the musician for the audience. So it's cool. It's like all these different things tied together. Um, and then they made me a stand, <laughs> so I can kind of prop the prop the violin on it like a like a seesaw or teeter totter or whatever it is, and um, balance the weight so I don't have to carry it all on my wrists. Mm. Um, I think it'll be cool. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I know I have like a, a like a hard relationship with guns for some reason. Like they've always been like a tool or something, but there's just so much stigma around them. Um, how is that emotional response for you? Like, it's heavy, you know. Um, literally, um, mm. I—I I mean, I've never—I've never shot a gun. Um, I just, you know, you just hear the news yeah. relentlessly, mm -hmm. um, and you're trying to make sense of these things um, and sending messages of of how, how dark things are. So I, I think the, the, the actual physical weight of these, this instrument um, makes sense. It makes sense that it's not easy to play. Um, it makes sense that there are these problems with it. Um, so I, <clears throat> I like to just take my own expertise um, and hold it and balance it. And, and make something beautiful out of the weight and the, the heaviness of it all. So I, I play pretty heavily myself. And I think about, well, I don't think about guns when I play usually, <laughs> but I think about other dark aspects mm. of, of what's going on around us. And, yeah. and, um, and also just dark things that are really beautiful too. Um, so it's, I think it's a good match. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as far as your own instruments go, do you have like a violin that you've had for years and years and years? Are you very particular about your instruments and your pedals? <laughs> like what's your relationship to your materials? <laughs> yeah. Well, <clears throat> I've had this violin for my parents got for me when I graduated high school in 1991. Oh, wow. So I've had it ever since. Um, it's just a regular acoustic violin. But then I um, started rocking out, um, making these 
sound sculptures and, and albums that I like to make. Um, so I added a pickup on it um, that's attached to the violin. And then it goes all the way down to like a series of one, two, three, six pedals that I have played through for a long time. Yeah, there's like, um, there, one's kind of, I think it's more like a vocal effects pedal, but it sounds good with the violin. And there's lots of uh, analog um, d delays, um, digital delays um, that make it sound like it's going through a tunnel. Mm. Or there's a tremolo pedal that gives it that wah, 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 wah. Or and there's a low-end octave pedal, so you can go low. Um, and then just, yeah, my favorite pedal is this Memory Man pedal. I've had it forever. Um, so when I'm playing the violin, I usually stand. And then I um, get all crazy and twisted with my left hand and my right hand on the bow. But then I also play with both of my feet, and I, I tap the pedal, or I um, twist knobs, or program a loop, or, or you know, just live, live um, alter effects and stuff. Doing that with my hands and my feet and my bow um, is a lot of fun. I wish I had one more leg. <laughs> But it's, it's, a, it's a lot of, um, it, I practice a lot. I, I record all my practice sessions at my studio in, in Brooklyn. And I just, I listen back and see what effects or what passages like I have to revisit and learn like the back of my hand so that I can just pull that out of my whole artillery when I'm doing live performance or I'm making a score for a film or so just I, I know how to play these things instead of just trying to experiment. Um, there's a lot of experimentation, but that happens behind the scenes. Mm. Um, so it's a passage is just like kind of like a series of movements that you're basically doing to create a sound that you can then like plug into a larger experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, I mean, a lot a lot of my sets are improvised, um, but I'm reaching to a bank of all these skills mm -hmm. and um, skills that, that I like to, that I think are effective and help me explain what I'm, you know, playing, playing for. That's so <laughs> cool to hear because a lot of times people who aren't really versed in exper experimental music are just like, oh, you just get out there and you're just like wiggling around. <laughs> and I just think it's really cool that you just broke down that how much work and intention and practice goes into it. Yeah, 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 I, I, I love it. Um, I'm gonna shop for one more pedal when I get back to New York. I'm ready for one more team member here. <laughs> I'll need that extra leg, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful to hear that you've been with them for so long, too, that they're just kind of like a part, an extension of you, almost. Yeah. Yeah, once I had um, some gear stolen out of my truck in New York, and they stole, maybe, I think they stole everything except for the Memory Man, my favorite one. Wow. And my, they didn't take my violin because it was super well hidden. Don't leave your gear in your automobiles or trucks overnight, listeners. Yeah. 
Yes. Take it from me. If you could take one thing away from this conversation. Yes. It'll be a test well, tomorrow because, morning. Yeah, they're just like an extension of you at a certain point. Like it's, yeah, it's like losing your favorite brushes or like, like yeah. your pigments. Yeah. Luckily, all, all of them were, were replaceable. Um, mm -hmm. I, I got a new one, but yeah. I even got like this fancy new digital one that I thought would be cool, but it was just like nothing like this old like version two or three of the digital delay boss mm -hmm. pedal. I know, it's funny because a lot of people are like, you know, just wait for the latest gear. And it's like oftentimes going back. Going back. And getting the vintage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I found it, yeah, I found it for cheap somewhere. Um, yeah, it's been great. Mm. They're falling apart and they need to go, go to the shop. Get like, some look, love. Look at the button, this one's like, brr. Oh yeah. <laughs> Just needs a little This one's love. missing a knob, I'm like, <laughs> but. Oh, and so is this the um, the setup that you described? Is this what you used to uh, create your new album that you just finished recording? Yeah. Um, and this... you want to talk about that a little? Oh, cool. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, it hasn't been named yet, but this is my fourth solo album. Um, there's all, there's a lot of violin on it. Um, a lot of violin that I play, like I do when I play solo. But then I'm also trying other kinds of violin noises, like maybe just one pedal mm. or no pedal. Um, I also have my grandma's violin. She, she passed away a while ago, but she, um, I have her violin and it sounds so sweet. Mm. So I, I use that too in combination with the, like the, dark, the dark violin that I like to do. Um, and then I also play Apache violin on it and then electric guitar. Um, um, uh, amplified piano, like these really nice roaring passages or kind of trancey passages. Um, and then um, lots of field recordings from different trips and places that um, I have enjoyed um, that mean a lot to me. Um, there's field recordings on my album from um, New York and France and New Mexico and um, all over. Um, mm. And then the big thing with this album, there's a lot of singing on it, which I um, haven't sang for quite a while. So it's, there's a lot of singing on it. Wow, I'm yeah. so surprised to hear that because I've never heard you sing. Yeah, um, yeah, it's crazy. I, I don't, I'm still coming to terms with recognizing my voice. I love to sing. I sing on all my albums, but um, but I'm mostly known for violin. Mm -hmm. um, maybe there's a reason for that. <laughs> I still love to sing, and, and I I um I made I made all these kind of happier, cheer, cheerier lyrics. Um, you know, getting out of COVID and and getting through some really dark times personally. I was just like, let me just sing about something really bright. Even though the music's still kind of dark, the lyrics are, are happy and sweet. Um, so I'm excited for people to hear that and hopefully um, hopefully it works. Are the lyrics audible? Like, I mean, because you process your violin so much, are the lyrics, can you retain what you're saying? Yeah, I have a longtime engineer. This is our fourth album together, Martin BC, um, mm. based in Brooklyn, New York. Um, he's, a, he's a legend. Look him up if you can. Um, he's, he's, in, he's, 
he's really, really good. He, the album is mixed, and every song that has singing on it, he's like, all that matters is that the vocals are clear and audible and you know, lots of character and, and definitely you. Um, otherwise, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, we need to hear you. <laughs> wow, that's good that you had that. Yeah, so yeah. You push that forward because when you're nervous about vocals, sometimes you just want to bury them in filters. Exactly, like exactly. Yeah, no, it's it's been really. Um, I, I feel very, really exposed, but it, it kind of needed to come out. Mm. Um, I often feel like pretty vulnerable because I I do so much on my own. I don't have a manager or label. You know, it's just me doing all this work by myself and. And so when you have so, like a great engineer like that, just being like, I got you. Like, we need to hear you. Mm. <laughs> it's just like makes everything go away. And you're like, okay, let's keep going. Keep going. So it's nice. Yeah, that's incredible <laughs> that you do. You are so prolific in what you produce and how much you travel and perform that you manage it all yourself. Like, that's something that people need to know, <laughs> that, that it is it is possible to sustain it, but it, it takes all your time, huh? Yeah, it's it's a lot. Um, Do you wish you had more support? I, I love, I mean, like this residency um, and, and the fellowships um, that I've received are really helpful. Um, I do, I am DIY to a fault where <laughs> I have a hard time asking for help just because I've come this far and it's hard to like kind of like... I don't know what I would do without myself, you know. Like, so <laughs> I can't fire me. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, I am thinking about maybe seeing if I could shop this album around and maybe try and find a label mm -hmm. or see if I could find. Like, I just, I just, they're just just things I know take me twice as long because I don't know how to do them professionally. I'm just still getting by like the old school. Punk. Like, yeah, <laughs> punk methods. Like, I mean, I have so many files and photos that are low res and they ask for high res. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Mm. So I don't do it. And then I get behind and then I have to start all over again. And But I don't know, I, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah. Um, Maybe I can make it till I'm 50, and then after that, I'll be like, everyone help me. <laughs> everyone. <laughs> everyone gather around. Yeah. <laughs> Support me now. You got the piano, you got the guitar. You, got the piano. <laughs> you do. You need an entourage, you need a team. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> it's true, though. I feel like it's it's when you come from that punk aesthetic and that like that DIY, like just being grimy and getting shit done and the grit of it all. It's it is hard to be like, oh, how do you do this? <laughs> like, or I need some support. But I think it makes you stronger when you are able to um, kind of allow people to support you and having spaces like this at the. I, I residency and just like just knowing your community is there to support you when you when you're ready <laughs> yeah I love that too mm -hmm. I really do I had a really good summer I uh, worked my ass off and then um, I got the forge project um, fellowship which is this new um, indigenous 
fellowship. They give you money. They give you a residency. They give you a library. They give you just comfort. Um, yeah, that, that, that was really nice. They had a really nice swimming pool. Mm. <laughs> Girl, but most of all. Yeah. <laughs> most of all, they gave me a swimming pool. <laughs> it's in upstate New York in the Catskill Mountains. It's so beautiful. Mm. And I, I just, and it's, it was close to New York, so I got to still not feel so far away. Um, I, I, I had a really great time. Um, uh, the, yeah, I just, I'm, I felt that support. I felt that love and, and you know, seeing all my friends' artworks throughout the property and building and then, you know, I don't know. It's, it's really nice to live in New York City too, most of the time mm -hmm. because you get to see so many of your friends travel through um, visiting for their art, for their music, for their, you know, um, internships or going to school or, so it's really nice. So yeah. when I come out here, I have so many good friends too, so it's it's never far away from home, and you know that's that's really important for me to always know that 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 I've always wanted this like mm -hmm. this back and forth relation, ongoing back and forth relationship between the Southwest and New York City. Um, otherwise, I think I'd be pretty lonely. Yeah, lonely. I'd be lonelier if I didn't have these ties, constant, constant. Um, creative and family ties that I do um, out here in, in Arizona, so. Yeah, and it feels like music and art are a way that we can make friends and nurture friendships and stuff. Like, I even noticed that with my podcast or whatever, with whatever art, it's like a way to like find like minds and come together. And um, do you have any advice on like how to like nurture and develop an antidote to loneliness? Maybe that's a weird way to ask it, but I'm just, I, I, I feel like we can become so isolated right now, especially post, -pan even though we're still in the pandemic, but just like post isolation, there is a vibe of isolation. And what have you determined in your own practice of how to like combat that? Oh, well, I would say, like, I mean, what, what I what I have really seen what's happened in these past few years, especially, is that I I work with the same a lot of the same people on a regular basis. Where um, just because I I love what they do, I collaborate with them easily and well. Um, it forms like a, a continuous relationship. Um, even if you can't see them all the time, you're, you're, you're still having to have them on your brain. And like I work with um, a bunch of um, bunch of friends up in Canada, like uh, artists like Tanya Lukey Linklater. We've worked many many times together. Um, uh, Caroline Monet. Uh, sculpture and installation and film and music uh, and it just keeps on rolling and you know I work with Raven um, Chacon and and I work with um, I'm, I'm now working with like longtime friends like 
some of the best people I've ever met. And once you start, you can't stop. So you don't have to feel lonely. You don't have to feel isolated because we're all kind of like swirling around in this nice, nice little bowl of, of continued ideas, um, all, all kinds of visual excitement. Um, I'm going to be working on a new video. Um, this will be my third video collaboration with my friends Jock Soto and Nanaba Becker. Um, we're going to make a new video with this new album. Uh, and that means we've been working together over 10 years. And that, wow. having that continuous circle and excitement mm -hmm. helps the isolation. Um, don't get me wrong, I still play the tiny violin. <laughs> you have the tiny it's one tiny. too? <laughs> I cry myself to sleep. I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think, I don't know, I think in uh, and, 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 and times when I, I do feel like, you know, like a little bit like lonely or isolated, I do think I go back and listen to what I've done, mm. um, and it makes me excited and like makes me want to think, what else can I do, or mm -hmm. or I go swimming, you know? Like, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. exercise. I I love that so much. It helps helps me a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that too. I mean, we are our own best friend, and we can be our own worst enemy if we're not careful. So we have to check ourselves. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, well, I think that to round out the conversation, if there's any, um, I always ask for like kind of seeds to plant, like advice or maybe inspiration or knowledge that somebody else has given to you that you've carried, carried through your life and your practice that you might want to pass on to um, other artists who might be listening to this. Hmm. And then maybe you can jam out for a little bit since, yeah. <laughs> since we're here. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, I, I've, I've had a lot of good, good advice. Um, a lot of it, um, it's not just one thing or another. It's like the combination of, of. It's a, it's, it's a combination. Like, um, like I know, like my teacher, my violin teacher, was always like, you know, if you're playing your instrument, and like you, you start to feel like you're hurting, or you're, or, or you're losing, you know, focus, whatever. Like, you don't want to hurt yourself because if you get carpal tunnel or whatever, you're screwed. Mm. You know. So he was always like, if you hear, feel anything, just put it down, walk away, go for a walk, um, rethink. You know, like take it, take it easy, take it easy on yourself, because. You're gonna be doing this a long time, so rethink what you're doing, you know, and really study how to keep doing what you're doing in a in a way that where it doesn't hurt, you know. Um, don't overdo it. Um, and of course, I I uh, I also um, I know like I've learned a lot through my own recordings where I was like, these are no good. What am I doing? Um, messing up and then feeling frustrated and then listening to the recording like a month or two later and I'm like, 
this sounds good. Like, you know, you know, don't burn it. You'll just... hear like a, I don't know, like some rumbling or some traffic that messed it all up, or you play a wrong note, or who knows? And and then it's actually it sounds good. Like just let it, give it time, because um, mm. you know. And then you can combine the two. You know, you can over, you can like, you can like work in how to make things sound a little bit grittier or not as perfect or, or practice something so it's perfect and then make something grittier with your crazy pedals or who knows, I don't know. You can just cut, combine all these aspects of, of things. So I don't know, that, stuff like that has always comforted me because um, it's, it's hard when you get like kind of bogged down, um, I usually could find a way out of it if I just, you know, not so hard on myself. Mm. I like that, like taking a beat or like a month or a year and then looking at it, don't throw it away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, a lot of these projects I'm working on now I won't be done, won't be done for another year or two. So it's, it's promising. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited. Yeah. When is your album gonna drop? I think. Well, we'll see. We'll see if I look for a label or not. Mm. Um, I'm working on song titles right now and the album title, and album artwork during my residency here. So hopefully, all that will be done by the time I get back to New York on Valentine's Day. Yeah. But then. Um, but I have to go back. I have a couple little more tweaks I'm going to do in the mixing when I get home. Um, and then I have to get it mastered. Um, so I imagine hopefully sometime in March or April. Nice. Yeah, maybe April 1st. Yeah, April Fool's. April Fool's. And your anniversary in <laughs> New York City, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thanks for talking to me about all of this and sharing a little bit of behind the scenes of Laura Ortman with our fans, with our crew. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. And um, yeah, if you want to play a little bit of music to close us out, you're welcome to. You can also not. <laughs> sure. No, I'd love to. <laughs> okay. Let me see. What, what do I have here? And I'll just kind of plug this in. I have this one on too. Okay. And you can take a break if you need. Um, no, it's fine. I'll just play this. I got this the other day.
Ha, ha, ha.